BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. At least three proposals to address the high cost of gasoline are floating around in Sacramento. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer has reaction to one of those that would send cash to California taxpayers. On the steps of the state capitol Thursday, a group of Assembly Democrats said that when it comes to gas prices, basically, we hear you. Cecilia Aguiar-Curry, whose district includes parts of Napa Valley wine country, says the plan to send a $400 check to all California taxpayers would immediately provide relief from spiking gas prices. And it'll go far in helping with price increases, not only at the pump, but at the grocery store and on our utility bills. Californians are hurting and they need relief. The Democrats' proposal runs counter to one Republicans are promoting, to suspend California's 51 cents a gallon gas tax. East Bay Assemblywoman Rebecca Bauer-Cahan said a broad tax rebate ensures the money gets into consumers' wallets. Not into the pockets of oil companies, but straight to you as California taxpayers and the people that we know are feeling this pain every single day. In his State of the State address last week, Governor Gavin Newsom proposed a targeted tax refund aimed at drivers bearing the brunt of high gas prices. Robert Harrell of the Consumer Federation of California says ideally the tax rebate would help low-income folks and people of color most and not reward all people the same. For example, I don't know that we're super interested in subsidizing gas-guzzling you know, massive vehicles out there that get horrible gas mileage as much as we would be other kinds of of more fuel-efficient vehicles. One thing's for sure, with gas prices sky high and the state running a big budget surplus, Californians are sure to see some kind of rebate check in the mail in this election year. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. In response to the gas rebate proposal, Republican Assembly Leader James Gallagher says it's a good start to help struggling Californians, but there needs to be some sense of urgency from legislators. They can easily fast track bills, so if they're going to give a rebate, then do it now. You have the ability to do it. Don't wait till June. Don't wait till budget discussions. People need the relief now. Gallagher and fellow Republican Assembly member Kevin Kiley continue to advocate for a suspension of the gas tax. They say they plan to push for a vote on that in Sacramento next week. 
A new state bill has been introduced that aims to protect transgender youth and their families from legal action if they come to California for medical care. This comes after a number of Republican-controlled states considered legislation targeting gender-affirming medical care. KCRW's Megan Jamerson has more. The proposal aims to prevent any out-of-state legal action that tries to remove children from their parents' care if they come to California for gender-affirming procedures or treatments, and it would void any subpoenas for information on people traveling to the state for these medical treatments. California State Senator Scott Weiner introduced the bill this week, saying that California needs to send a clear message that the Golden State is a place of refuge for the LGBTQ people amid a growing trend of anti-trans legislation in the red states across the country. In Idaho, the state Senate killed a bill this week that would have made it illegal for parents to cross state lines to receive transgender medical care for their children. And in Texas, a judge blocked the state from investigating gender-affirming care for minors after Governor Greg Abbott ordered families to be investigated for child abuse. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in Los Angeles. COVID cases in Los Angeles are falling and fewer people are in the hospital. But KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier says an Omicron subvariant is putting the county health department on alert. BA2 was nicknamed a stealth variant last fall because scientists had a hard time tracking it. The more infectious cousin of Omicron is fueling surges in Western Europe and China and now makes up nearly a quarter of new COVID-19 infections in the United States. Los Angeles County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says we've seen a gradual increase in BA2 cases locally. Six and a half percent of analyzed tests in LA are BA2. It's here. It's likely to increase. I see no reason why it won't become a more dominant strain. I don't know how long that will take, and I don't know that it will completely wipe out BA1. No one really knows whether a prior infection of the original Omicron variant offers protection from BA2. Ferrer said the best thing to do is get boosted if you haven't already and wear a mask in crowded places. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. In 1966, at the height of the civil rights movement, a live call-in radio show premiered on San Diego's airwaves. 
KSDO Radio, in cooperation with the News and Public Affairs Department of the Gordon Broadcasting Company, presents Viewpoints. The show was hosted and created by local civil rights leaders Harold K. Brown and Reverend R. Major Shavers. Today, KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim takes a closer look at how far San Diego has or hasn't come since the civil rights movement through the eyes of Brown. Please note that the archival radio sound used in the following story uses offensive language. The white backlash is nothing more than white America's answer to the cry of black people for complete American citizenship. That's Harold Brown, or Hal as he's better known, the co-founder of the San Diego chapter of the Congress on Racial Equality, or CORE, who fought against local housing and job discrimination. White America's answer is no, as it always has been. White America sits back on its white power throne and waits for black America to do something it does not agree with. Now 87 years old, he still lives in San Diego. And when he listens back to the show he recorded in his early 30s, some things have changed. I didn't recognize the voice then because it's so different now. (laughs) It's softer, with a little more gravel and a little more wisdom. He thinks people should recognize and celebrate how far we've come since the days when he was fighting SDG&E, the Bank of America, and the world-famous San Diego Zoo to just hire Black people. We have Black teachers, Black lawyers, Black judges, Black corporate executives. But... When he sees the January 6th insurrection, the efforts in 2022 to limit the black vote, and the outcry over teaching ethnic studies in school, he feels like he's back, hosting his show in 1966, navigating white San Diegan's response to the civil rights movement. This uh, idea of uh, black power and so forth, of course, isn't going to help their cause. It only hurts it. And I think that uh, on the overall, the real story of white backlash is the people have just flat had it completely elevate this person to uh, uh, some mythical high place and uh, give him everything he wants, pay his way and all this stuff. What I'm saying is the, the white backlash it will be the people voting down the people who represent these ideas in the future. Listening to this now, Brown chuckles to himself. He heard similar sentiments after the global racial justice protests of 2020. So that backlash is, you know, it's been there. It's there today, and unfortunately, it will be there tomorrow. As he listens to other Viewpoint episodes, the more clear it becomes that San Diego is still working through the same issues. Take police oversight, which Brown discussed on Viewpoints in the 60s. Negroes are treated unjustly. Now, where can you go to complain? You go to the police department and complain. Well, many Negroes feel, and I feel, that Going to the police department to complain about the police department just does not make good sense. San Diego didn't create an oversight board until the 1980s, and only recently did the city pass a measure to strengthen this board. Its implementation is still pending. Even if the change feels achingly slow, Hal knows that endurance is part of the struggle. I have always realized ever since I entered into the uh, civil rights movement. I have always felt that there is much to do and we won't resolve it in our life, in my lifetime. 
change is only possible because of the work of generation after generation of Black people demanding equality. They were lynched. They were tar and feathered. They were jailed. Uh, they were whipped. They suffered through all of that and all through the hard labor. They, they suffered all of that to get me where I am today. So, you know, how can I not continue and let my forefathers and foremothers down? Which is why, more than 50 years later, Brown is still fighting. For the California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca tells us about a new memoir by a daughter trying to figure out how the radical climate of Berkeley in the 1960s shaped her parents, who were Iranian student activists. Neda Talui Semnani's new memoir is called They Said They Wanted Revolution. She's a reporter who, after her parents' death, spent years digging into archives and diaries to understand their time at Berkeley in the 1960s. Here's a passage from the book about her mom. On that first day in Berkeley, she walked hurriedly down Telegraph Avenue. She had a quick, funny gait, heels in and toes out. It pitched her hips back and forth in a way that was a little tomboyish and a little suggestive. Her mom and her friends became part of a circle of leftist Iranian students. The girls moved into the studio with a love seat, milk crates, a phone, and a turntable. They slapped fat, psychedelic flower decals on the walls and pulled down the Murphy bed to share. That summer, their apartment was where everyone gathered on their way to the Iran house, the meeting place for all the Iranian Student Association chapters in Northern California, a couple blocks away. To Luis Semnani's parents were both part of a movement trying to oust the Shah of Iran. Those students took over the Iranian consulate in San Francisco in 1970. Her parents went back to Iran after the revolution to try and push for a new society based on their leftist ideals. But that vision fell apart when it became clear the Ayatollah was more interested in an authoritarian Islamic state. Tului Semnani was just a toddler when she and her mom had to escape Iran before her dad was executed by the Ayatollah's regime. In the process of researching the book, she discovered an album featuring her dad singing. It was these kinds of ways um, that I was able to patchwork him together from an idea into something that was more textured and, and more human and flawed and kind of beautiful. You can hear more of Sasha's interview with Netta Talui Semnani on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or to the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, March 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Azul Dahlstrom Ekman, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt. 
whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system, on the web at chcf.org health equity. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.